All right. It is so good to have you out this morning. And, you know, I, I don't know if you ever have these moments where you're driving into church and you're just, you're just um, so thankful for your church family. I had one of those moments today, and I just was driving in going, just, I'm so thankful for this church and so thankful for who you are. And there's a, we have a good thing going on here. You know, we've got a good thing, and, and, and I just am so blessed. I'm so blessed to be a part of this church, and so blessed to, um, we've just got such a great culture, a great group of people, and just, just so, so, so good. And wasn't it good having Clark on stage this morning? I mean, come on. <laughs> so awesome. If, so, um. If you haven't heard, I guess Clark was actually here over the summer, but I, my family was away. We were on, on vacation, so we missed him. But um, um, Clark is just, I mean, he's just had a, such a huge role in each one of our lives and our church. And so having him back on stage this morning um, leading worship was just, uh, or helping lead worship was just very, very cool. And uh, so, yeah, his family's been on a bit of a journey, and maybe, uh, maybe one of these days we'll get him up here to kind of preach or something and tell, his, tell what's going on. Yeah, I got the thumbs up. Okay, awesome. So, but yeah, pretty awesome what's going on in their lives. Uh, a couple of things to let you know about before we jump into the sermon this morning. Uh, we're uh, kind of getting going with fall here. Stuff is starting back up. We have uh, United, our middle school and high school ministry is rocking and rolling. Last week they had their kickoff and it was just a lot of fun. And so they're meeting every Sunday night at 6.30. Uh, change in times. Last year it was 6.45. We're going to bump it up to 6.30. And uh, so they're going to be meeting here tonight. They've got some great activities planned. So all you students, invite you to come out and be a part of that. And then um, I just want to encourage you every week to, to be doing three things this fall. I know we all got lots of stuff as we kind of leave the, 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 you know, more laid back days of summer behind and kind of get back into our regular routines. And we've got all kinds of stuff that's vying for our attention. And I just really, really want to encourage you as our, as uh, just a part of this church to, to do three things. One is to worship and just get in the rhythm of being a part of what, what is happening here on Sundays. And uh, it's just so, so important to have that moment and, uh, where, you're, where you're, you're coming together with a group of people to declare the name of Jesus. If nothing else— it's like every week you just put that flag in the ground, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna, I just want to declare that Jesus is God, that he's Lord, and we just, as a church, it's so powerful when we do that. So I just encourage you to find a rhythm to do that. I don't, maybe, maybe your schedule's too much where you just, you find every week, it just, it's hard to make that happen. Um, find some rhythm, though, some, some consistency where you, you worship together with, with the church. And then the second thing is to, to connect. Um, I think the purest form of church is actually not what happens on a Sunday morning, but it's what happens when people gather in homes, in relationship, um, in smaller groups of people. And so if you don't have a group of people that you're connected with, find that group of people and get connected. Um, the next couple of weeks, we're going to have different groups and small groups, discipleship groups, different things kicking off. And so if you'd like to connect, it's as simple as grabbing. There's a card in that little basket on the back table there. Grab one of those or go, if you're online, connect.ctk.church and just say, I want to get connected. Help me do that or whatever you say. It doesn't really matter. We'll get it figured out and we'll help you find a group of people to connect with. And then the third thing is that you would find a place to serve. 
you, as, as a, if you're a follower of Jesus, guess what? Whether you like it or not, you are a part of the church. And you have a place, uh, a, a part to play. The Bible makes it so clear, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, how everybody has been given some kind of gift to serve the body, to serve the church. And so I don't know what that is for you, but if you, if you don't, maybe you know what it is, maybe you don't know what it is, but I encourage you find a place to serve, to get on the team. There is no such thing as, as, as the bench when it comes to the church. No, everybody's got a spot on the field. And so uh, we would love to have you be a part of what, what, what God is up to in and through this church. And again, if you don't know what that is, grab a card. We'll start a conversation, and we just would love to help you get involved. And there's nothing quite as good as being a part of a group of people that you love, serving Jesus together, being on mission together, it's just, it's just too good to miss out on. So I encourage you to find out what that, what that is. Okay, uh, we started a new sermon series last week called Different. And what we're doing in this series is we're actually going through the, the book of 2 Timothy in the Bible. It's this book in the Bible where um, the Apostle Paul, this like giant of the faith, he's, he's He's the, known as the first missionary in the church. He's planted all these different churches all over um, the ancient Middle East. And, and uh, as he's been doing that, he's, he's, he's connected with and been a part of this young guy named Timothy's um, journey with Christ. And in fact, Paul even calls Timothy at, at certain points his son in the faith. And so Paul's just had this big role in Timothy's life. And he writes Timothy this letter. Timothy is this young guy. Timothy is this timid guy. Uh, he's been called, though, to carry on the work that Paul began. And so Paul's writing Timothy this letter during this very tumultuous time in history, especially for um, uh, Christians. Uh, this this uh, evil emperor, emperor uh, Nero, has um, come to, to sit on the throne in, in Rome, and he is, is one of the most brutal uh, Roman emperors in all of history. And many Christians are suffering torture and, and even death at his hands. And Paul himself, as he writes this letter to Timothy, he's writing it from the, the depths of this Roman prison cell where he is in chains. In fact, a lot of scholars, um, church tradition believes that this particular time that, that Paul is in prison is, is, is going to end with him actually being executed um, for his faith. And so when he writes Timothy, he writes kind of with this sense of urgency. It's like this letter is, is his last will and testament. And you and I both know when someone is, is writing their last words, they're on their deathbed, they're only going to write some significant stuff, right? Like they're, or they're only going to say what really, what really matters, what's most important. When someone's on their deathbed, they're not going to be talking about their favorite cat videos on TikTok, Right? They're not going to be talking about how they wish they'd gone with the maple cabinets in the kitchen rather than the hickory. It's like, it's the most important stuff when you're on your, your last moments. And so as Paul writes Timothy, um, it's important what he has to say. And the theme that emerges from this book is that we're called, you and me, we're called to live differently. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. In fact, the Bible tells us to live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Foreigners. That's what followers of Jesus are in this world. We, we are called to be different. You will have different values in the world. You'll have different 
Um, you'll have different passions. You'll spend your time differently. I'm going to move this, or I'm going to knock it over, or I'm going to fall over. Uh, you'll spend your time differently. You will spend your money differently. You'll have, you'll, you'll just live different because of, of who you are as a follower of Jesus. And this morning, I want to look at how we as followers of Jesus have a different calling, a different calling in life. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. Timothy, my dear son, be strong to the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to, to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Timothy's been taught some things, and Paul's coming along and saying, hey, you've heard these things. Now what I want you to do is teach these things to others, other people, other people who will go and teach these things to other people. Um, I remember when I was graduating way back in uh, the spring of 1992. Um, remember when I was graduating? And uh, some of you remember that. Some of you are actually kind of in that moment. You're maybe in your, your junior year, your senior year. And as you're in that kind of period in life, there's kind of this pressure, right, to kind of figure out, okay, what are you going to do when you grow up? What do you want to do with your life? What are you going to do when you graduate? And of course, when you're in your senior year, you're just getting ready to graduate, you hear that question over and over and over and over and over again, uh, what, what are you going to do when, when you graduate? And, and it's like you have all these decisions, and there's just, it's like the world is your oyster, and it's like everything is in front of you, and somehow you have to figure out, okay, what is, what is it that I'm going to do when I graduate and kind of go off to whatever's next after after high school. But then for the follower of Jesus, there's also this whole other component where as a follower of Jesus, we hear all the time that God has a plan for our life. And so I remember for me back in, in 1992, it was this, this pressure to not only figure out what was next, but then to get it right. Because if God's got a plan for my life, I certainly don't want to mess it up and get some other plan for my life. So what is, what is God's plan? What is, what, is, what is it that He's calling me to do? Well, by the time that we're done this morning, you'll know some of the big areas that you are called to in this life. The big things will be actually answered by the time that we're, we're done this morning. The first thing is this. You are called to a life of discipleship. You're called to a life of discipleship. Now, discipleship and the word disciple are two of these words that we use in church world and really nowhere else, Right? Uh, these words that can have all kinds of different meanings. But really what they, they are all about is they're, it, it's about describing the process of learning a way of life, a way of, of living. A disciple is somebody who's being taught. A discipler is one who's doing the teaching. And discipleship is what happens when one person intentionally walks alongside of another person and, and helps them learn this way of living. And of course, for us as Christians, the way of living that we're wanting to learn is the way of, of who? Jesus. Ding, ding, ding. You got it right. Okay. You're with me. Awesome. We want to learn the way of Jesus. And as his followers, we're not, we're not just wanting to actually learn a bunch of stuff up here and have some information stuffed into our heads. No, we actually want to be changed and transformed so that we become more and more like Jesus. So that we just don't learn about him, but we actually become more like him. Now, for a lot of Christians, they believe that 
that this will happen if you just show up to church once in a while, occasionally read your Bible, and, and then try really hard to live a good life. But that's not what being a disciple is, is all about. A life of discipleship is when you have another person in your life who's not only teaching you the way of Jesus, but they're actually modeling the way of Jesus. They're, they're being this example where you can see what's happening um, within this person and how, how it looks like to follow Jesus. Um, last week, we saw how Timothy, he, he learned from his mom. His mom learned from Timothy's grandma. The way of Jesus was modeled, taught, and passed down from one generation to the next generation. And, and for all of you in the room that are parents today, one of your great callings in life is to, to be somebody who's teaching your children, modeling what the way of Jesus looks like. God's plan A for discipleship every time is that parents would teach their children the way of Jesus. But then there's this whole other component that we see in our text this morning where Timothy is not only discipled at home, but he's also being discipled by this man, Paul. And he, 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 he learns, and Paul even calls Timothy his, his dear son. Timothy is like this son in the faith. He's modeling and teaching the way of Jesus. Not just so Timothy can, can, can learn, but so that Timothy, like we just read about in the scripture, so Timothy can then go show and model for others the way of Jesus. That's what a life of, of discipleship looks like. And I learn from someone, and then I pass on what I've learned, and that person passes on what they learn, and they pass on what they learn, and then 2,000 years later, here we are after Paul, and we're still here learning about Jesus because somebody passed along the way of Jesus and, dis and discipled us, showed us what it looked like. That's the life of discipleship, learning, following Jesus, learning what the way of Jesus looks like, and then being transformed into his likeness. This is one of our big callings in life. Next, Paul writes this. He says, And you're suffering along with me as a good soldier of, of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes, any athletes in the room? Yep, got some of them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers... Don't think we got any farmers in the room. Any farmers? Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. Let's hear for the farmers. <laughs> for all of you wondering what's going on, that's an inside joke. Uh, uh, Kim's last name is Farmer, so Kim Farmer, yeah. <laughs> Hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying, Paul says. The Lord will help you understand all these things. So something else we're called to that's part of this life of discipleship is a life of, of sacrifice. A life of sacrifice. You and I are called to a life of sacrifice. And then Paul goes on to, to, to give these examples of what this looks like. One of the examples that he uses is a soldier. And um, now I've, I've personally have never been in the military, but I know, um, I know people that have been in the military. I've watched a lot of TV and know, know that it's a life of sacrifice. Soldiers are called to be different. They live different than everybody else, especially when it comes to this area of sacrifice. Um, uh, our family, the Warner family, we have a friend who just recently, a few years back, he, he um, uh, got in the Navy. And just this summer, he was back visiting 
um, and came over to our house, and we were all sitting in the backyard, just around the fire, and we were just peppering him with question after question after question after question. And it became very clear very quickly that his life is a life of sacrifice. His, his long-term goal is he really wants to be in the, the Navy SEALs, which is a whole different layer of sacrifice. But he was telling us about all the sacrifices, living in cramped uh, places, not really having the best of food. And, and then he explained that his role to us that he has right now. And uh, his role, he works on an aircraft carrier, and all he does eight to 10 hours a day is stand there on the deck of this aircraft carrier and I, I don't know about you, but I think aircraft carriers, I automatically go Top Gun, right? Like, I just think everybody's got this crazy awesome role. But he just stands there on this carrier, staring at this stockpile of missiles, eight to 10 hours a day. That's all he does is just stare. Same spot. And the whole idea is that he's protecting it in case any kind of debris or something comes along. And, and his most exciting thing that he's had happen the last year is some, a lawn chair or something blew off the upper deck and they had to like scramble to make sure it didn't hit the missiles. But it's sacrifice, right? This crazy amount of sacrifice that, that, that a soldier has to, has to endure. And Paul says that that's kind of like what we have, sacrifice. Another picture that Paul uses is an athlete. And of course, anybody who's ever played on any kind of sports team you know that there's a lot of sacrifice that, that happens. Um, I have a daughter that's playing soccer, and for the last two weeks of the summer, we're not at the, spent down at the lake and just hanging out. No, it was getting up early in the morning, having these long, grueling practices, and she'd come home just like dripping sweat, and, and just, while everybody else is just kind of doing whatever. It's, it's, it's sacrifice. And Timothy knew firsthand that there would be sacrifices if he was going to follow the path that God had for him. One of the sacrifices, uh, the churches that he was leading were, it was a lot of Jewish people that were in these churches. Well, Timothy had a Jewish mom, but his dad was Greek. And so what that meant was that he wasn't circumcised. However, in order to lead these churches, as this young, grown-up guy, he got the deed done so that, so that he could just live the life that God had for him. And I don't know what, what you think of when you hear the word sacrifice. Chances are you don't get all warm and fuzzy inside and all excited about this call to live a life of sacrifice. In fact, it's more than likely a word that brings this like internal resistance, some pushback. Like, I don't know if I want to live a life of sacrifice. That doesn't sound very fun. Follow Jesus and live a life of sacrifice? No way. You know, the world, the world has us conditioned to believe that you deserve a life of comfort and ease. That that's what should be the ultimate goal in life. In fact, for many people, the goal in life is to one day arrive at a place where you're laying on a tropical beach somewhere while somebody comes along and peels grapes and plops them in your mouth while you just lay on the beach and I know some of you are thinking, hey, Rich, where do I sign up? Sign me up for that, like, today. That's, that's what I want to be doing. It sounds enticing. Uh, sure, it sounds a whole lot better than living a life of sacrifice. But I'm here to tell you that it's not actually better. It's not. It might be better for a day or two. Maybe it might be better for seven or eight, ten days. But 
Pretty soon, you're going to get bored. Pretty soon, the grapes are all going to taste the same. Pretty soon, that warm tropical breeze is going to become stifling, and it's going to be hard to breathe, and it's going to be feel, feel muggy. Why? Because you were created for more. It's like God has, has hardwired us for struggle and for, for sacrifice. And in the end, it's actually a good thing. You know, for, for the athlete that has been sacrificing and, and putting in all the, the, the blood, sweat, and the tears, in the end, it's a good thing when you're experiencing the joy of, of winning and the joy of kicking the other team's butt, whatever that might look like. It's like that, that mom who sacrifices so much and, and carries that, that baby in her womb, and it's the joy, though, of, of having that baby. It just, you can't compare. Sacrifice is difficult, but sacrifice is good. Everything in life that is worthwhile is always going to involve sacrifice. Everything in life that's worthwhile is going to involve sacrifice. And this is actually part of our calling in life as followers of Jesus. It's a call to sacrifice. A third calling that we see in this, this text this morning um, in life from, script, uh, from Scripture is this, it's a calling that you and I have, a calling to make pleasing God our highest aim. Paul talks about this soldier who doesn't get entangled in civilian affairs because why? His goal is actually, the soldier's goal is not to, to please the people that, it's to, it's to, it's to please his, his, his commanding officer, Paul says. In our goal in life is, is to please God more than anybody else. It's our highest calling in life to live a life that pleases God. Um, I got to be, I'm going to confess this morning a little bit. Um, on Monday night, I wasn't in the camp of people saying that we should cheer Russell Wilson. Um, you know, there's this kind of this controversy going into Monday night's football game. Uh, there was a big football game because you missed it, Broncos and Seahawks this Monday night. And the controversy, the, the chatter beforehand was, okay, should Russell Wilson be cheered when he comes in? You know, he spent all these years uh, as a Seattle Seahawk. He's done so much for the city, and, and he has just uh, been such a good guy. That was one camp. Was anybody in that camp? Yeah, some of you were, okay. The other camp, the camp that I was in, was like, okay, we loved him back in the day, but he's no longer on our football team. And... For me, pers it was really personal for me because I've only ever owned one sports jersey in my life. That's a Seattle Seahawks jersey with number three and Wilson on the back. <laughs> he made my sports jersey obsolete. And it wasn't like he, he it was the, the management pushed them out. It was his decision. He wanted out of, out of Seattle, right? And so I was in the camp thinking, okay, when he comes in, we got he's on the other team now. Even Jesus said, if you're not for us, you're against us. <laughs> and so... When he, when he comes in, when he comes in, we gotta, we gotta let him have it. This is sports, buddy. You, you deserve to get booed. Now, I know a lot of you right now are really disappointed in your pastor and your, you've got some qu serious questions. I get all that. But, but after the game, Russell Wilson came out the better person in the end. And I don't know if any of you listened to the, the interview that he had, but he was being, he was being asked, okay, 
uh, how did it feel like you come back and everybody's giving you these, all these boos and, and of course it's Russell Wilson so the guy doesn't have a negative bone in his body it seems like but, but he said something that I just thought was so cool and he's said this over and over again when, even when he was a Seahawk he said yeah I get all that and, but at the end of the day I'm playing for an audience of one I'm playing for an audience of one he said it doesn't matter I don't, I, it's, I'm not playing for the crowds I'm not, at the end of the day he said I'm playing for an audience of, of one. He knows his calling in life, and it's, it's to please God. He knows that. And this is, this is our calling too. And whether it's in the way that you throw a football or the way you teach the kids in your classroom, the, the way you study that math assignment, the way you parent your kids, the way you train your team, the way you serve on a worship team, it, you are ultimately doing it for an audience of one. It's to please God. It's not mainly so that you can please your spouse, your pastor, your kids, your boss, your teacher. It's, it's, it is so that you can please God. This is a calling that you have in life. And Paul says soldiers sacrifice their time and their energy so they can please their commanding officer. It's, it's the same with us. Another letter Paul wrote, he, he said it, he made it very clear. He said, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, he said, we make it our goal to please him. Audience of one. This is what we are called to in life. It's to please God. It's to please God. And you'll find that if your life ever gets to a place where you're like, it just gets confusing, allow yourself to come back to that. Okay, God, I'm just, I, I want to please you. God, what, what can I do to please you? And the last thing that we see in this text this morning that we're called to is this. We are called to live holy lives. <coughs> called to live holy lives. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, Paul writes to Timothy this. He says, In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure or holy, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Keep your life clean. Holy living. You know, one of the biggest obstacles to being different, to living, to living the life of a disciple of Jesus, this is one of the biggest obstacles. And the obstacle is this. We just, we want to fit in. Don't we? I mean, that's just like kind of part of the human condition, I guess. We just want to fit in. We just want to belong. We want to be, we don't want to stand out as too different. We just want to, we want to, we just want to fit in so, so badly. But God didn't call us to fit in. He called us to be different, to be set apart. It's part of our calling in life. And I'm looking around the room again, and there's just, there's a lot of students here, and if I could speak to the students again, and if you feel like, I know I kind of called students out last week, I'm going to kind of call you out again this morning. Part of this, actually, this sermon series was a heart for all the students in our church who are this September re-engaging in the world and, and having all the pressure around you that, that you have being a student. And one of the things, being a teenager, that, that you want more than anything else, you just want to fit in. But you got to understand something. As a follower of Jesus, he does not call you to fit in. He calls you to be different, to be set apart, which is this, this biblical word 
um, holy, it actually means that. The word holy means to be set apart. Everybody else is doing this. God says, I want you to be holy, to be set apart. Often as Christians, we, we mistakenly think that holiness means that we have to live these perfect lives. So I grew up in a home, shared many times here. My home was a very uh, legalistic home. We had all kinds of these just crazy rules that were nowhere in the Bible, but, um, but just the belief was that we need to follow these rules. And, and so I grew up thinking that for, for me, holiness meant that I couldn't attend movie theaters. I couldn't listen to, to music unless it was sung by Christians. Um, playing cards even were just like barely, I could just barely, barely allowed to play playing cards. It was with lots of apprehension that we, we played our, our first game of rummy or whatever. I mean, it's just like, I had crazy rules in my house. Um, but, but what if that's not what God had in mind when he called us to live holy lives? What if keeping yourself pure was more about living differently? It was refusing to conform to the patterns of this world and instead live a life of discipleship where you're following Jesus, you have your eyes on him, and you're becoming more and more and more like him and living opposite of what the world calls normal. You know, you, you and me were just not called to be normal. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I've got no interest in being normal. Have you looked around lately to see what normal is? Normal's not good. Normal is anxiety. Normal is sleepless nights. It's living in fear. Normal is broke. Normal is depressed. Normal is lonely and isolated. It's worry. It's living in bondage. Who wants normal? Jesus talked about the normal road being wide. It's, it's, it's broad, he said. It's it's easy because everybody else is going the normal road. But what did he say? He said that normal road actually is, it, it might look easy, but in the end, it actually leads to destruction. Instead, he calls us to live a, on the, the narrow road, the, the one that isn't normal, the one that's different, the one whose travelers live a life that's pure and holy. That's the road, he said, that's going to lead to life. That's the road. This call to live a life of holiness it is your high calling in life. In a previous letter that, that Paul wrote, um, actually the previous chapter that we, we read last week, he said this. He said, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the very beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. We're called to live a holy life. So many Christians, especially in the Western church, we have this all wrong. We believe that our highest calling in life is to be happy. That's our highest calling in life, to be happy. We think that above everything else, that this is what God wants for us, is to be happy. But God's highest calling for us is not our happiness, it's actually our holiness, and the problem with thinking that he's called us first and foremost to happiness in a happy life is that it actually leads us to justify things in our lives that are actually unholy and will lead to our destruction. I'm not happy in my marriage, so I'll just walk out and find somebody else that will make me happy. I can't afford that new car or that new whatever. I've already got a mountain of debt, but I'm 
I, it's going to make me happy, and so I'm going to go ahead and just pile on the debt because God wants me to be, to be happy. We justify unholy living for the sake of what appears to be happy living that we believe God wants more than anything else. And if we believe that God wants us to be happy above all else, then, then discomfort, delay, they're actually seen as, as enemies that can't possibly be God's will. After all, God is supposed to make me, me happy, we, we reason. You know, God doesn't exist, this is going to come as a shock to some of you, but God doesn't exist to serve us. He does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve Him. And He calls you and me, from the youngest to the oldest, He calls you and me to be holy, to be set apart, to be different. And if you ever find that your life looks like everybody else's, if you ever look around the workplace and go, my life looks like everybody else in the workplace. If you ever find yourself with your friends at your, your middle school or your high school, you just look around and you feel like you're just blending in with everybody else. It might be a little bit of a, a yellow warning light on the dashboard of your life saying something is a little bit off because we are called to, to be different. You might be calling yourself a Christian, but you're not really following Jesus. You're not really living that different life of holiness in discipleship. You're called to be different. By the way, parents, what our goal should be first and foremost for our kids is not good behavior. That's not our highest goal for our kids. Our, our big goal that we need to have for our kids is number one, that they would follow Jesus, and number two, that they would have the courage to be different. You know, if, if you can teach that to your kids, hey, follow Jesus and have the courage to be different, it's a good place to be. If your kids don't know that following Jesus will make them different, then they, they won't know how to respond when the world entices them to live the normal life the same as everybody else. They won't know how to do it. They'll go, okay, what, something's off here. Something's out of whack. Why, why, why is, is everything so different? And, and to all you students in the room, again, you need to know something. There's, there's no greater calling in your life than the call to follow Jesus. And if you want to know what you're created for, that's it. Following Jesus. But that calling to follow Jesus will clash with the desire that you have to fit in. It will clash. It will clash. The key to you making it through middle school in high school is to follow Jesus and not just follow Jesus, but it's, it's to have the courage to be different. Follow Jesus and have the courage to be different. Student, follow Jesus and have the courage to be different. It takes zero courage to blend in with what everybody else is doing in your, your, your class or your friend group. To all you Adults, it takes zero courage to just go along with what everybody else is doing. Follow Jesus, though, and have the courage, have the courage to be different. Amen? Yeah. Have the courage to be different. Maybe you go, though, I can't. I'm too weak. I'm too scared. You're right. It's, it's hard. But if you're here last week, you would have heard what, what Paul wrote to Timothy last week, where he said, hey, yeah, it's going to be hard, but God hasn't given you the spirit of fear, 
but of love, power, and self-discipline, he says. God's spirit in you will help you, will enable you to live differently, to follow Jesus and have the courage to be different. Scripture goes on, um, uh, Paul in another place, he wrote this. He said, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. This warning, he says, don't slip back. You didn't then, but now you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. You know, you have an enemy who's trying to get you to go back. And, and he's very subtle, by the way, with how he does this. The enemy doesn't try to get us to go back to worldly living and unholy living by, you know, by just like being blatantly obvious with it. He's very subtle. He doesn't come along and say, hey, I, I want you to start doing some devil worship and sacrifice chickens in your garage. It's not like that. It's much more subtle. What did he come along and say to Adam and Eve? He said, hey, did God really say did God really say you can't be doing this? Did God really say you, you shouldn't be doing that? Did God really say? He's very subtle. And living a holy life, it will keep you. When you make it your desire to please God and to follow Jesus and, and to live a holy life, it will keep you from, from the, the, the harm that, that Satan wants to come and bring to your life. And here's the key. Here's the key to living a holy life. And, and if you're here this morning, you go, okay, oh, I just got to go and I got to try harder. I just got just to gotta buckle down and try to, try to live a, a holy life. I'm doing this and that. I know I shouldn't be doing this and that. And, and I'm just going to go and I'm going to try harder. That's actually not the key. It's not about trying harder. I love how, how Craig Rochelle, this pastor out of Oklahoma, puts it. He says, he says this. He says, living holy is not the path to knowing Christ. Knowing Christ is the pathway to holiness. Let me say that one more time. Living holy is not the path to knowing Christ. So many people make the mistake of going, oh, I want to know Jesus. I want to grow my faith. I want to become like him. And I, I, really, want to, I, I really want to follow hard after, after him. Yeah, normal is not working. I just want to, I want to know Jesus. And so I'm going to, if I just live a perfect holy life, then I'll get closer to Jesus. You've got it all backwards. All backwards. Knowing Christ is actually the pathway to holiness. It, when, when you make it your heart's desire, you go, I want to follow and know Jesus. When that becomes, when, really when pleasing God and following Jesus becomes your highest goal in life, that's the pathway to holiness because you'll want to please him. You'll want to please things. Please him. You're not going to want to do the things that displease him. You're not going to want to live a, a life that's, that's not a life of holiness because you're going to want to please him. I've been married for 24 years. 24 years, yes. Almost 25. And, and I want to please Becky. And so because I want to please her, it keeps me from doing the things that won't please her. Now, do I do that perfectly? Absolutely not. But it, because that's my, my heart's desire, my motivation— it keeps me doing the things that please her. And it's the same thing when it comes to our faith and our walk with Jesus. When you, want, when you want to know him and you want to please him, it'll guard you against those things that don't. It's not about trying to be holy as much as about having the fruit of holiness, of goodness, of love, and 
all these things come out of this deep love for Jesus and desire to have friendship with him. Which brings us all the way back to where we started. It's, it brings us back to our friendship with Jesus, to the, the life of following him. You are called to a life of discipleship. And, and how amazing is that? That the maker of the heavens and the earth, the one who is life himself, I mean, he's life. Jesus, the one who knows you inside and out. He knows everything about you. He knows who, how you were made. He knows, he, he has your path for life. He, he just knows you. He's faithful. His love for you is unconditional. It doesn't change because you've made some mistakes. He's, he invites you to follow him. It's your number one calling in life. Number two, you, you're called to a life of sacrifice. You're, you're, it's, it's, it's this life of living different. It's gonna, there's going to be some sacrifices following Jesus. Number three, you're called to a life of pleasing him, making that your, your goal in life. And then number four, called to a life of holiness. Called to a life of holiness, which is such a good thing because that's where there's freedom, where there's life and joy that's found in him. As we wrap up, I just want to ask you a, a few questions. Where, where do you struggle the most to fit in? Where is it for you? And just, just in this, this moment, let the Holy Spirit just show you. Like, what, what are the areas where you're, you're, you're trying so hard to fit in? And, and this morning, what God wants to do is just help you see, hey, it's actually okay that you don't fit in. Yeah, it might be hard, but, but, but it's okay that you don't fit in. Another question, where are you most different? Where do you find that you're just different from the world? What does that look like for you? And then last question is, where does God want you to be most different in? Where is God calling you to live differently than everybody else? Would you pray with me as we wrap our time up together? Heavenly Father, I just want to, this morning, just thank you so much for the time that we've had together. God, thank you so much that, Lord, we don't really have to guess, God, about what the big things are in life that you've called us to because you've made them so clear, God, in Scripture. And, and God, I think what you're trying to tell us today is that, God, at the end of the day, God, as, as we're doing these things, God, as we're living a life where we're following you, God, where we're, we're living a life of sacrifice, pleasing you, holiness, God, as we make these our heart's desire, Jesus, you're going to just come in and lead and guide and all the other stuff. It's almost like, it's almost like seeking first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given to you. God, you're calling us to that today. And Lord, I pray, Jesus, for God, that person, Lord, this morning, God, that your, your, your spirit is convicting. Because if, if they're honest, they would, they would say, I'm not living a life of holiness. I'm not living that life of holiness. And God, this morning, you're here and not with a, a a finger that's wagging at them in condemnation. God, you are here with your love and your mercy and your forgiveness and your grace calling them back to yourself. Lord, I pray, Jesus, that, Lord, we would hear the voice of our Heavenly Father whose loving kindness today is leading us to repentance. Lord, I pray for that person, Jesus, who's just struggled with the sacrifice. And God, following you has meant sacrifice 
Lord, I pray that today, God, you would just pour in, that, God, they would not become weary in doing good, but Jesus, that this, this morning, God, in this moment, God, you just would pour in your strength and your favor and your love, and God, just the, the power, God, and the grace to endure. And Jesus, I just want to thank you that this morning, God, I just believe, God, that this morning you are inviting people to follow you who have never put their faith and trust in you, never put their faith and trust in you. And while your heads are bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to, if that's you this morning, Jesus is inviting you to follow him, to put your faith and trust in him for the first time. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand nice and high. I'd love to pray for, pray for you today. Maybe you're watching online, just put, put somewhere in a chat or something, me, that's me. Anybody here, you want to, God is calling you to follow him, to put your faith and trust in him. You want to follow, you want to respond with a yes. Anybody here, raise your hand nice and high. Awesome. God, I just pray for all of us that Jesus, you would help us, God, to live the life that you call us to live, to walk out of here, not with a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. God, go with us this week. May our lives be about pleasing you. God, in every way, living that, that call to holy living, God, that you've invited us into. God, we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. Hey, I'm gonna invite you to stand with us. The ushers are gonna come at this moment as we sing one more last song. And as the bucket goes down your row, this is just an opportunity for you who are part of this church just to say, I wanna make every part of my life about following Jesus and just bless him and worship him in my giving. If you're a guest, let the bucket go right past you. We don't ask anything of you today. But we're going to just worship him as we head out today. We got one last song. It's a call. It's a song that's about holiness and, and living a life of pleasing God. So let's just go out with worship and praise this morning.